amazing book, The Bible Is. It is the number one bestseller of all time, with over 5 billion copies printed. The second most is the Quran at 800 million, the Book of Mormon at 120 million, but year after year, over 100 million copies of the Bible are sold. And regardless of the fact that people have tried to destroy it, they've tried to burn it, they've tried to outlaw it, it just keeps coming back stronger than ever. And it truly, we're going to talk to you in this edition of Finish Strong about what the Bible really is. Is it just a historical book? Is it just this collection of stories? Or is it something so much more? Live your life with purpose. Change someone's life for the better and leave a lasting impact on those around you. Welcome to Finish Strong, the podcast designed to help you discover your unique purpose and develop a plan to leave a powerful legacy. Dan, Brian, and Terry are ready, so let's get started. My name is Dan Wheeler, and I'm joined by Terry Steen and Brian Rowland. We are the trio that forms Fearless Faith Ministries, and uh, this is our podcast called Finish Strong. And I'll tell you what, guys, with what's going on in the world, we see the birth pains, we see the headlines, we see that it's different than anything we've ever seen. It's more important to know the Word of God and have it in our hearts and in our minds than ever before. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that people do not appreciate or at times think this book is not even real. If you look at some of the pieces and the facts, I mean, it's been translated into 690 different languages. It had 40 authors over 3,000 years putting all the pieces together. So how could it not be inspired of God. There's no way man could have done that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing when you think of all those different authors and from all walks of life. You had fishermen, you had physicians, you had a tax collector, but all saying the same things yet in different ways with their different personalities. And Brian, we feel that scripture is inspired by God, that he was truly inspiring these people who wrote it. I was just going to say that it's the inspired word of God, and it is. And he, he was is the Holy Spirit working through each and every author of every book or every scri- uh, scribe that was written. And I think it's interesting. People nowadays, it's funny how they will want to throw the Bible out. They'll say, well, this doesn't make sense nowadays. But then if you look at what's happened back, way back, I'm going back to how words were formed through the Greek language, things like that. Everything has already been done and it's already was done. It's just evolving and still the same thing over and over and over again. And things become a little easier. You become more automated, things like that now. But there's nothing new under the sun in the Bible. It's the path for us. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's Mm -hmm. our guide. And we need to use it that way. But a lot of people don't want to see it there. And they'll say, well, that's Old Testament. That's nothing new. That was, you see what was going on, the rage of God? Well, there's reason. Read it. You'll find out. You'll find out how there was forgiveness then. But it's all in the Bible. And I want you to know that the three of us are going to share, as this uh, podcast unfolds, who our favorite Bible character is and what our favorite Bible story is. Mm -hmm. Terry, you had mentioned all the prophecies, 2,500 prophecies yeah. And 2,000 have been fulfilled. And you think, yeah. oh my gosh, there's still 500 to go? It could be a while before the Lord comes back. Interestingly enough, the 500 that remain are all about the time after the Lord returns. Hmm. Everything up to his return has been fulfilled. That's amazing. It is. And I, I didn't even know that statistic. Wow. I had thought it was a little bit higher on the prophecies. But it's also interesting that there were 12 prophets that were officially hmm 
prophets in the Bible. So it's a dozen of these guys. And to have that percentage fulfilled already is kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah. Another interesting fact that's just a side note is <laughs> that I read recently is that the Bible is the most stolen book in the world. <laughs> really? Every Gideon's Nobody Bible from every hotel room. The Bible. <laughs> yeah. Nobody from the steals the book yeah. more than the Bible. Yeah. So they must not have read the part in Exodus <laughs> about thou shalt not steal until they get the Bible. Then, well, the, anyhow. But if they read the Bible, they get convicted and they return it. So it might be the most returned book. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, that that yeah. could be it. Yeah. yeah. You know, another thing, though, about the Bible I think is interesting now is that when people say, you know, it's not authenticated, that when it actually is, when you look at the copper scrolls that they found and Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's verbatim. It's still word for word as what was written back then that was on in, the, in these um, scrolls that is in the Bible today. It just shows you how God's word, you know, that he's not, not going to be taken away. And it's, and it's his word that was given to these different prophets and writers to write. Yeah, there's no other book like it. Some, and, you know, the Bible talks about itself. It testifies unto itself that it's the word of God. Second Timothy 3.16 Right. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the word used there means God breathed, God mm-hmm. breathed life into these writers. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Yep. That's an amazing statement. That pretty much covers all of our faith. Mm-hmm. That's as important as it gets when you look at the pieces of that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to share our favorite Bible characters. And Terry, we're going to start with you. First of all, who, there's a lot of characters in the Bible. You know, it's and funny. Sometimes, them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I think, boy, you know, the Lord, he didn't pick the, the sharpest, the smartest, the best dressed. It was kind of like a ragtag band. But I think he did that because it gives us all hope that we can do something for him. I mean, look at the three of us. Exactly. Uh, and, and I'm assuming yours is Zacchaeus. So are you saving yours till later or what what is that huh? is that funny? I th- Zacchaeus. thought it was kind of oh. funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm taller than Zacchaeus, I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't okay, when I'll I get to on. heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm standing back to back with him. You tell me. <laughs> You're gonna see taller. <laughs> no, so, mine who, who mine's Joseph. Joseph. Oh, I thought the... you were gonna say Goliath. And in fact, years ago, I read a book by R.T. Kendall. It's called God Meant It for Good, and it was a fresh look at the life of Joseph. And I have kept that in my library for decades, and every few years I go back and read it because the story of Joseph has so many unfolding lessons for us in our in our lives today because Joseph had the ups and downs of life like we do. His were just kind of to extremes. And so he started off with the lesson that there's consequences to your actions. He's a young guy and he was cocky and he was proud that his dad gave him this color jacket and he, and he flaunted it in front of his brothers and he couldn't read the room, you know? Yeah. Right. And he ended up getting sold into slavery because he did that to his brothers. So, Mm -hmm. So he begins life that way, basically, and then he goes on, and he, the, another lesson is that you get ahead if you work hard. He, he did what he was told, worked hard, worked his way up in the, in the house of, uh, 
Potiphar. Uh, one of the leaders of the Egyptian country. And then another thing was doing the right thing doesn't mean you won't experience injustices. Mm-hmm. He was doing the right thing. He got away from Potiphar's wife, did everything he was supposed to, and yet still got thrown in prison. Yeah. It was there multiple years. It was her word against his. and Yeah, he lost. Uh, yeah. And then mm. bloom where you're planted. That's another mm-hmm. lesson that I, I picked up. Because in, mm. in prison, he didn't just sit in a corner and mope. He used yeah. his abilities, and he became, basically, he ran the prison. Yeah. So every, every step <laughs> along the way, God was yeah. teaching him different lessons. Finally, the lesson of being patient. It's like a player manager, huh? All yeah. those years in prison, even when the, remember, he uh, told the dreams to the, the baker and the cupbearer, and yet, and he wanted one of them to tell the Pharaoh that, he had been able to do that and remind him, and it took multiple years before that even happened again. Yeah, can you imagine? Talk about patience. Yeah. <laughs> but then it finally did, right? It finally it did. He finally got to where he was second in command in the entire country. And then, of mm. course, his brothers came down to get food and one of the biggest ones is his his willingness to forgive, the mm. importance of forgiveness and forgiving Boy, his brothers. Good. And there's so many other things. I don't want to take too much time. But the final thought was learning and acknowledging that all he went through, he was able to tell his brothers that God meant it all for good. And we go through life wondering all the time, why is this happening? Why is that happening? There's injustices everywhere we turn. God doesn't seem to be using me like I want to be used. And finally, it all came together for Joseph. Just like for us, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God. And that's just uh, the culmination of Joseph's life. So it's really, really a neat story for me. That's really great, Terry. Good job. Mm-hmm. You did your homework, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's so true, though. There's so many lessons in the Bible. Well, for me, I tend to be a little partial to a guy named Daniel. Oh, brother. <laughs> don't know why. I don't know why. But I figure since you guys don't have a Terry or a Brian in the Bible, <laughs> I guess I had to. <laughs> My name, truly anointed. <laughs> no. My mom, you know, always said that she told the Lord if she had a son, she had two daughters, she would name him Daniel, and she would consecrate uh, me to the Lord. And uh, so I, I, that's a hard name to live up to. If you yeah, know. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So Daniel, you know, when you go back even to the beginning of things, when he was taken into Babylon with the other Hebrew children, and uh, they were offering the king's table the best meats and the wines and all these things. And Daniel said, you know what? We don't want to defile ourselves. So he goes to the guy that's kind of over the program, the eating program, and says, we just want pulse, just like vegetables and water. Weird. Very <laughs> weird. Man. And he's like college age. Remember how hungry we were in college? I wouldn't have made it on pulse. <laughs> oh, wow. We had to have those donuts and the HC. It's all starting. Mystery meat. <laughs> Mystery right. meat. Yeah, BBC pizza. Anyway. Uh, so the guy says, uh, man, I can't, you know, risk that. The king notices you're not looking good. He's going to come down on me. And Joseph said, let's just try it for 10 days. They did, and they looked even better than all the children. And they were kind of uh, 
picked out of the crowd because of their cunning and their wisdom. And so Daniel uh, just kept rising up the ranks, very similar to Joseph. And Darius the Mede, when he took over as king of Babylon, he made Daniel the first of three presidents over all of Babylon. And he was the first. And then there were be- below those three, there were 120 princes. But Daniel was the preferred one. And because of that, the other princes and presidents were jealous, so they conspired against him because they knew Daniel always worshipped his God and always served his God. So they went to the king and said, hey, let's come up with a statute that uh, for 30 days, if anyone worships anybody other than you, O king, they have to be put into the lion's den. And the king said, oh, okay, that sounds good. And he signs off on this. And Daniel knew about it, but he kept worshipping. In fact, he threw the windows to his (laughs) home open and prayed out loud and um just kept doing what he was doing, having his morning devotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the evil conspirators caught him, told the king that Daniel didn't obey the statutes, and they pressured him to enforce the statute. He had no choice but to throw Daniel in the lion's den. But when he threw him in, he said, Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver you. The king knew it. He yeah. said, and then they put a stone over the mouth of the den, and the king had it sealed. Well, the king had a sleepless night. In the morning, he went to the den of lions right away and said, Oh, Daniel, servant of living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God's son is angel, who shut the mouth of the lions, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. The king was thrilled. He had Daniel brought up. And the people that conspired against him, he had them and their families thrown into the lion's den. And this time the lions were hungry and uh, devoured them and their bones, and they never came out. And that's what happens when you wow. are obedient. Mm-hmm. You talk about obedience and a guy that just, man, Daniel was about as good as it gets. And it's a very, very difficult name to live up to. But he's, yeah. he's man one of, of my integrity favorites. for sure. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. at the end result, if I remember, the king began to worship his God. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. He did, and I looked up the word integrity. It comes from that word integer, which means a whole number. Integrity, uh-huh. you are whole. You're complete. So uh, that's mine, uh, and that leaves us to Brian. And Brian has kind of an interesting one. Brian, who's your character, first of all? Well, you may have never heard of this guy, but his name was David. Hmm. The king. <laughs> the king. Well, king he, had a, he had a lot of great stories, man. He slayed 10,000. He, he, he slayed Goliath. I mean, he was the man. That's the thing about him is that there's so many stories to be told about him. But, you know, he started this little shepherd boy and, and already had anointed him. He was going to be the king of Israel. But you think of Goliath and that story, and you can always talk about that and what we can learn from it. And, and I, I remember uh, one day in the studio, I met Andre the Giant. Oh, yeah, the wrestler. I went to shake his <laughs> hand, and I, th- I thought, he's going to crush my hand. I mean, it just engulfed <laughs> my hand. I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be broken. Should have given him the other wow. one. But, wow. uh, but And Goliath was bigger than him. Was he taller than I am? He's about four of you. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just uh, just amazing how big he was and thinking that Goliath was even bigger than he was. But David yet faced him. I look at David. He had a chance to kill kill Saul. Wouldn't do it because that was God's anointing at that time. Integrity. Mm -hmm. He was going to build the temple. And God said, no, you're the warrior. So what did he do? He got all the material for the temple for son Solomon to fulfill it. But the one story that always stuck with me with David that I love was in 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 22. And it's when David danced before the Lord. 
and you think about people talking about now dance like no one is watching. Yeah. You know, and that's what he did. You know, when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city and they're blowing the ram's horns and that. And it says over in the, verse 16, it says, uh, Michael, the daughter of Saul, which was David's wife, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. She hated it. Yeah. She thought that he's got to be this classy guy. I mean, you know, he's a king. He's, everybody should be looking up to him. Mm. And this is, she thought he was bringing him down. But when David went home after the ark was there and, and they did sacrifices and then he went home to bless his family, he walked in and, and she met him and she said in disgust over in verse 20, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. <laughs> but David retorted, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. <laughs> I thought that was great. And all his family, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But mm. those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. He did what he wanted to do there to please the Lord. And the Lord said that he was the apple of his eye. I think, wow, God just wants us to have a willing heart like that. He wants us to be pliable, to be able to please him in any way. And a couple things I, I get out of this, too, is that David was very humble. And if you were in his, his shoes where he was king, uh, everybody would be kissing up to him, you know, and telling him how wonderful he is all the time. And I would think any other person would say that, you know, my word is the law and, and you wouldn't need God because everybody's praising him all the time. But he didn't. Mm -hmm. He didn't do that. He was humble before the Lord. And I love, too, that he owned up to his own faults. And that's something that and many people even do today, especially in our world, especially when you see politicians. I love this one especially. But David owned uh, all of his offenses. What I like is when, um, when, when Saul was confronted about his sins, he was quick to make excuses and begin listing the things he had done right away and to try to deflect by pointing to others. So that would happen nowadays, like I said, with, with politicians and everything else about you. Everybody's deflecting, deflecting. But David didn't. When Nathan came to him and told him that, said, the Lord of God, Israel says, you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, he screwed up. He knew it. Yeah. He didn't try to pass the buck. It stopped with him. And I don't really believe when I said a pliable heart. He, he created a heart that God could, could, um, could heal. You know, God could be, he could be healed by God because he, he left his heart on the line for, for, uh, for God there. He was willing to do anything to please his Lord. Even after he screwed up, he admitted it and he knew it and he was humble about it and said, I messed up, God. And he let God just re-enter and just clean his life and take over again for him. And that's why he was probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest king, where Jesus comes from the line of David. The, the, the bloodline of David. You see, it's always Israel's the city of David. I mean, look what God has done with that, what he's done with David. And that's yeah. that's my favorite character, and that's my uh, favorite thing that he did out of all the things he did. Great stories, yeah. Yeah. I was always disappointed that David fell like that with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And then I realized God has those stories in there to encourage us, you know? Yeah. David right. immediately, you know, when Nathan said, thou art that man, he said, yes, I've sinned before the Lord and humbled and man, uh, you just, you want these guys to be perfect, you know, and 
uh, even had Bathsheba's husband sent out to the front lines of the, the war and he was killed. And yet God said he was a man after his own heart. There's, there's hope for all of us. Maybe you're listening and you say, boy, I'm, I'm like David. I, at one time I was close to the Lord and I, I knew the Lord and I've strayed and I've done things that are so wrong and I just can't, I can't uh, live with it. Uh, I want to say to you that there's hope and that uh, Jesus is quick to forgive. He wants to forgive you. He's waiting for you to come to him and just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my sins. And then turn, repent, go yes. the other way and do it now. Don't wait. You know, we see the signs, the times. We see what the Bible has said about the, the last days. And, um, boy, the Lord, as I said, the prophecies about him uh, have all been fulfilled. He could come back at any time. But, boy, nothing would be uh, worse or more deeply uh, disappointing than you to hear this today and turn your back on God. He's tugging at your heart. <laughs> yeah. And maybe there's other people that are wondering if God's going to ever use them again, wondering if they're walking in God's plan for their life. I think they need to come back to the story of Joseph and realize that there can be a purpose in everything that is taking place in their life today, <laughs> tomorrow, yeah. in the next week, in the next month. And it comes down to being faithful and being expectant and knowing that God works all things for good. So I would just encourage anybody listening who feels like they're uh, kind of stuck on a treadmill or whatever, that God has big plans. You just have to keep walking forward. Mm -hmm. Boy, he does. Don't let another day go by. This is so important. We're talking about your soul. We're talking about your future, your eternity. Uh, the Bible is very clear. If you accept the Lord as your Savior and you turn from your sins, He will hear from heaven and He will forgive you and you can live with Him forever. You know, guys, we get letters and, and emails all the time and uh, messages on our uh, Fearless Faith Facebook page. And we've had so many requests. A lot of people are struggling with their children. Children have turned their back on the Lord. They've gotten into some really dark things. I want to say that there's hope for you and Terry, I'd like to ask you to uh, close and pray for those people as we just have a couple minutes left. Would you mind? Sure, sure. Father, we do come to you, Lord. We do sense your Holy Spirit here as we're <laughs> gathering and talking about your word. Yes, Lord. The incredible power of your Hallelujah, word, Lord. Jesus. Yes. And so we want to stand on that word together right now as the three of us are agreeing together, Lord. For anyone who's listening, if you're in a situation where you have a loved one or you have a child and maybe they're away from the Lord. We pray the miracle takes place. And we pray that you would be a void in your spirit, Lord, or that you would be lifted up and that God would encourage you today that he sees the situation. He loves your child more than you do. And he has a path for that child. And we're going to just agree that miracles are going to take place yes. in those situations, Father. And for anyone else, Lord, who needs a touch of your spirit, God, we pray that right where they're at, that they would sense you. They would sense your power. They would sense your presence, God. They would sense your love, Lord. 
and that you would minister to them in whatever area they have need of right now, God. We count it a privilege to have this platform to be able to share you and your word, God. And we pray and know that your word does not return for. Right. So we speak, we speak forgiveness. We speak miracles, Lord. We speak your power over these lives, God. And we trust you, Lord, to do your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Another great uh, edition of Finish Strong. Now that you've given your heart to the Lord, get into the Bible, get into the Word. If you need a Bible, contact us. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to uh, read this amazing book that has withstood the test of time. It is so much more than an ordinary book. It's, it's, it's just not been able to be taken away. People have tried. They've tried burning it. They've tried outlawing it. It's not going to happen. The word of the Lord stands forever. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time for another edition of Finish Strong. Thank you for listening to Finish Strong. For more information about Finish Strong and Fearless Faith, check out their website, ffaith.org. Make sure that you rate and review this podcast to help more people accomplish their God-given purpose so that together we can finish strong.